This place is special. Get asked all the time, where's your favorite place to take college game day? And I say every time, Eugene, Oregon. Yeah. This is the best crowd. Honestly, it's six in the morning here. Yeah. It's dark. Yeah. It's raining. They don't care. <laughs> These fans right here, pound for pound, are as good as any college football fans in the country. This program is staged to compete and to win championships. Oregon is going to be in the championship game. Can you believe the magical season this has become? When we watch this film, does our effort beat theirs? Here's Bo Nix. Guns been making deposits. Time to cash a check. Sound at Austin, which is deafening for an Oregon 15-point win. Chip Kelly still does not have a win against his former school, and we say farewell. Man, it feels great to be a duck. Welcome to the QB11 Show, presented by Scoop Duck, with Doug, Andrew, and J-Hop. Here are the guys with the latest scoop. Hello and welcome back to the QB11 show presented by Scoop Duck. I am Doug Scott, joined as always by Andrew, QB11. And we are here to talk about the Ducks' first loss of the season, a 36-33 to classic up in Seattle. Heartbreaking ending and, and finish to the game. But, uh, you know, we'll get a break all that down and get into it and everything else. So, QB, how are you tonight? I'm doing all right. I, uh... Obviously, was quite frustrated with the outcome yesterday, and yeah, it, it's been all right. It's been a solid weekend. I mean, again, it, it's it's never fun to take a loss. Um, we're going to get into this game. It, this was very, very winnable, and it's one of those games where you feel like you lost it more than the other team won it in a lot of cases. Uh, like when I was doing some preliminary rewatching of this game, um, we weren't playing bad football. We just lost moments, right? And And so... I'm not taking moral victories from that. It's just like, it's weird watching the tape and be like, Hey, we're actually like outplaying them, but we lose um, because of some things here and there. Um, and then some like really key stuff down the stretch in that game and, and some key spots and down near the goal line and fourth down situations where we just like, not only did we not like execute at a high level, but we also didn't execute correctly on a single one of them. And it ended up losing the game. Yeah, I think, you know, where we were going to start, this was kind of some of those bigger picture, high-level reactions, and then I think we're going to dedicate a segment just to the fourth down decision-making. I know that's something that Twitter and people around the Duck program, or Red Duck fans, as well as people around the nation have been commenting on. And, you know, depending on who you follow and what your philosophies are, you'll, you'll either agree or disagree, but we'll we'll share ours anyway. But, you know, let's just start maybe with some overall high-level thoughts you know, I think you, you kind of touched on some things, you know, for me, you know, if I go back to, to last week and the things I've been saying, keys to the game, you know, I, I said it's important to avoid a slow start on, you know, on, on Oregon side and, and a hot start on Washington side. And for the most part, I think the, the Ducks accomplished that, right? I didn't think the crowd, I was there and the crowd was very loud at points in this game. There was, it was a great crowd, great atmosphere for a football game. It was absolutely phenomenal. Um, and the crowd was very into the game at, at obviously the key moments throughout the game, but I actually don't think they impacted the game in, in a sense. Maybe Camden's kick, I don't know. But I like I don't think Oregon was rattled by the crowd, right? They had one false start. I mean, it was a very, you know, penalty free game on both sides for the most part. I think it was five and five 
you know, wasn't really a factor. It didn't feel like the, the any of the Oregon players weren't weren't able to get their signals in or, or didn't know the snap count or didn't know the play. I mean, it just, it just felt like the crowd, as, as great as they were, didn't really decide the game to me. I thought it was decided on the field. So I thought that would, they did a good job of avoiding that hot start, slow start thing. I, I, the other thing I said was a key was on defense, holding Washington to touchdowns on half their drives. And when they did that, Washington had 10 drives in this game and they scored five touchdowns. And the other five drives, they actually got zero points. Um, I think I think the defense did a good job there. And it would have been five out of nine if, if Oregon converts and doesn't give that last possession back. And then uh, another one I said, limit explosive plays make them convert in the red zone. I don't, I don't think that this was where they lost. I, Washington only had to go into the red zone twice um, or three times. It was three times they scored once from the 17 and then they were one out of two on for on goal to go situation. So I thought it was unfortunate that, you know, they scored their touchdowns were 26, 26, 17, 18 and seven yards away. So uh, you know, I think that not forcing them to get down into that goal to go situation and shorten that field and making them really work to get that touchdown, I think was a big miss. You know, the explosive plays, I think not just in the red, in, in, in to touchdown explosive plays, but some of the ones in the middle of the field too were, were costly, but particularly down there, you know, from the 30 and in, I suppose. And then, you know, just avoiding mistakes, avoiding turnovers, avoiding, you know, the costly penalties and everything. I think they did that for the most part. I don't think Oregon made many huge mistakes from an execution or the moments, you know, the crowd is taking you out of the game or the bad penalties or they obviously didn't have any turnovers. I think they did that really well. I think we could touch on this in more detail. I think the mistakes that I did see, I think, were a different kind, right? There was some... I think some clear execution mistakes at times in the game. And I think there were some coaching mistakes, but not, not in the decision-making as much as in the, the, the type of play that was called after the decision was made. But what do you think? Um, I think we should start like a little bit more focused. I think we should start with like, let's just get like the big things out of the way first. Like let's talk okay. about, the, let's talk about the fourth downs. First one, um, we'll go one by one. Let's go first yeah. with the one at the end of the half. So, yeah, so this is one yeah, where, like, uh, I mean, this this is one where if you're going to make an argument to um, kick kick the field goal, th- this is where you do it. Um, like, if you, if you want to get points, I understand what Dan's going for. We get the ball to start the second half. So if you can take a, lead, a four-point lead – um or wait hold on it would have been 25 yeah Yeah, sorry if you could take a three-point lead going in with with the understanding that your offense is going to get the ball coming out like that's a huge that's a huge advantage because you can manufacture a two possession lead there without even without even letting their offense on the field to, to stop it right um and so i i understand what he's thinking but i also think that you're kind of chasing points there in a position where like they gifted us that possession with the interception um, anything is better than nothing. And so if, if you're going to make the argument that you, you take points, I think that is where you take the points. What, what are your thoughts on that, Doug? Yeah, at the time, you know, sitting there and I was on that end of the field watching it play out. I mean, so they had the, you know, I always hate when you get the first and goal at the 10, right, with no opportunity to make a, a first down. Obviously there, the time the time was a bigger issue anyway, so that didn't really matter. But, you know, you know incomplete on first down which i thought was a catch you know a good ball by bow i think you, you said that too it was a very catchable yeah. ball by holden 
Yeah, that, that that's a ball that should be caught by Holden, in my opinion. And then you get the nice seven yard completion to Tez on the sideline to to get it into third and goal at the three, right? And and at this point, you've got a timeout in your pocket. This is where at the game, I was thinking like. I want to see a run play here. You know, you're, you're at three yards, you bully the ball into the end zone, or you, you know, you end up short, you call the timeout and then you could still decide to go on, you know, then you can kick the field goal or you can say, Hey, we're on the one yard line. We're on the half yard line. Let's give our guys a chance to punch it in. Right. Or, or maybe our play call is different. So I, I, I kind of didn't like the play call on third down, although the execution was worse, um, which I'll let you talk about. And then yeah, on fourth down, on fourth down, I didn't again. I didn't like the play call. I thought we didn't even give ourselves a chance to make the fourth down play. Yeah, so I, like, I don't have. A, no I really, I have a. Sorry, I'm not trying to interrupt you. I don't have an but, issue with the third down play call because ultimately, like, if it gets executed at an even like passable level, it gets it scores, right? Um, and so, like, I'm not going to sit here and cry over spilled milk on third down. Fourth down, and this is this was a trend throughout the game, except for uh, the one in the late third quarter. We didn't do this, but the other two fourth downs, we cut the field in half with sprint outs, and I I hate this. I hate this so much. Um, specifically in condensed field, I hate this because you're getting the flow of the defense running the direction of the quarterback. So like for Bo to take off and run, like he's going to have a bunch of linebackers and flow players running in the same direction at full speed. It's going to be really hard to find an angle, right? And I also don't like that you're cutting you're cutting the field in half. So you're making it harder to scramble for your athletic quarterback. You're cutting the field in half, and you're condensing what's already a condensed part of the field. Um, and, and so when it didn't work the first time, I was really pissed off when we came back to it for a second time on the um, – Well, we'll get the, to that one. The fourth down to ice the game, right? Uh, but on the second fourth down, we didn't do that. We did straight drop back. We had the quads to the field. Uh, Troy Franklin isolated the boundary, and I felt that Bo kind of forced that, um, if I'm being honest with you. It was a play where um, we, we had guys on the backside open. I understand that like the whole purpose of that quads is to get the matchup that we got with Troy, but if it's not there, I, I don't think there's any need to force something, um, specifically in a situation like that where it's fourth down. So, and you only have three or two or three yards to go. You're a really, really good athlete at quarterback. Come back to the other side. If something's there, throw it. If not, like go be an athlete, go make that play with your legs. But I, you, throwing a low percentage pass on fourth down isn't a win. Like, well, no matter and, what the situation. And on that one in particular, and I know we're bouncing around now, on that one in particular, Holden was wide open on the goal line right in the center of the field. But the fourth um, down problems to me all blend together. Like, yeah, it's, I, it's, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, going it, back to the first one, I think the problem I have with that play call, I, I agree with you completely. Condense the field. So when you're when you're sprinting him out of the out to the right, and if you look when they when he throws that ball into the end zone, there are like ten players, five from each team, like all in that corner of the end zone where that ball is going. Like there's just no chance. And and because of that play design, you're not even giving Bo a chance to to run it in, right? Like no, if, you're not. Like you see other types of plays where. You, you can have a bootleg or, you know, you have all the action maybe going to, to the right and you run him out to the left even. Or even if you want, I don't even think you'd have to run it out at all, right? But if you're going to sprint him out, do it with some sort of reverse flow so that he's got a run pass option. He's got an open field. He's got got to beat one guy to the corner. I, I just don't like it because as the play develops, the field shrinks and it continues to shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink because you don't want him throwing back across his body, right? Like he had the no. one nice play for a touchdown to Patrick Herbert where Patrick Herbert made a really nice catch, but that's a low percentage play too. 
And so yep. as that play progresses, if, if the initial flat is covered well, which it was, and this is, again, why I have a problem with coming back to similar um, to similar plays later on in the game, is they, they, they had proven that they can cover it. Like they 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 had they had good rules in the secondary for how they were going to play that, and so coming back to it didn't make a lot of sense, especially rolling out to the left, uh, and that's why I think like these all kind of play together. I I think the decision to go for it on fourth down in the third quarter and the fourth quarter was correct, specifically yeah. in the fourth quarter. Yeah, um, I, think, I agree. The one on the half, I think you can you can like you said you can say take the points, especially after the turnover is kind of a gifted points. The one in the third quarter, it didn't. Like it didn't hurt Oregon at all. That was the most obvious. Like, if anyone who argues against that just doesn't understand the math or or the situational football for that matter, because if you don't get it, you leave them pinned at the three inside their five yard line, which is exactly what happened. They went three and out. Oregon got the ball to fifty, went down and scored a touchdown. So yeah, it's situational football alone. It was the right call, whether you make it or not. So that one, like, I don't. No one should even be arguing about that one whatsoever. That's just a silly one. And again, like you said, both in hindsight and at the time, just situational football wise, it, it it wasn't it didn't hurt Oregon at all to go for it there. And then the last one, like this is this is the math for me. You have like it's one thing to force a team like Washington to go three and out, um, or to stop them from getting ten yards through the air three times. But when you add that fourth time, and when I say that, like they're down by a touchdown, right? So. Whether they are not, Washington and Penix had to go 70 yards or 50 yards. I don't think it mattered, right? Like in time fact, was not think, an issue at all. No, it wasn't an issue, and I think that I think this was actually managed correctly for every possible scenario. This is why. So, you're here for option one is you're either going to gain about 25 to 30 yards conservatively for your defense, or you're going to get a first down and win the game, end the game. So I'm always going to trust my quarterback over my defense when I'm going against another elite offense, first and foremost. But in the situation that you you don't convert, you give Washington a shorter field, the odds are they're going to score quickly if they're going to score at all, in which case you give your offense additional time to get out there and put yourself in position to get a game-tying field goal or go-ahead touchdown. And that's yeah, literally exactly, exactly what, what happened. happened. Yeah, I mean, Oregon, after that touchdown, like you said, if this – if if you punt that ball or not, it's four down territory for Penix and Grubb, right? Because they can't, they have to go for it. They're down four points. They're not going to get the ball back. They don't have any timeouts. Um, so it's four down territory. So the idea that you're going to stop, and, and the other thing is, there's no scenario where in any play on that drive, Washington throws the ball short of the sticks. So it, it's basically, they have a, they only have to, catch one out of four passes <laughs> and they just have to keep doing that all the way down the field. Like it, that wasn't going to get stopped. So uh, the fact that you gave yourself another opportunity, Oregon gets the ball back with 136 left, 138 left and is able to go down the field and, and set up for, you know, what should have been a game time field goal. So the math, the math is all correct in that last situation. Again, if you're playing against a team who's offensively challenged, who doesn't have a quarterback who can who can throw it like yeah, Penix, then you punt then, yeah, it, turn sure, back to make him go ninety. But you're playing against a team with with two two healthy NFL receivers and a and an NFL quarterback that I and again, you're playing with. When, by the way, you're, you're both your starting quarterbacks hurt, and you're in a position. Yeah, I I, I don't know, like I. I would hate to be in a situation where you punt that ball and Washington scores with four seconds left and you don't even get a chance with your offense on the field. 
Yep. And then everyone's and then what's everyone saying? Oh, you should have gone for it. Should have gone for it, right? Oh, you yeah. lack killer instinct. You didn't go for the win. And it's like, I, again, I, I'm gonna live and die with Bo Nix. And we lived and died with Bo Nix yesterday. And and we didn't like. We ultimately lost three plays that lost us the game. Like when I when yeah, I watch I, this game and like we can dig into whatever aspects of this you want to, Doug. But when I watch this game back, it's like Oregon played really really well defensively. Oregon, Oregon got the number of stops it needed to get. Oregon didn't turn the ball over. Oregon outgained Washington by 130 something yards. Oregon was balanced. They did it. like everything that we talked about in the lead up to this game was true. But when it came to winning moments, right? One play moments that really swing the outcome of a game, Oregon lost. The yep. three fourth downs. The, the the kick to tie, like those are those are the moments that that you have to win. Yeah, no, I, I mean that's exactly the right. There's you know if you if you look at both sides of the ball, there's four to five plays in this game that were those key kind of um, hinge point plays, right? And and Oregon didn't execute on theirs, and Washington did, and that's that's how the a team that I think was a better team. I think is a better team overall. And I think it was a better team in that game lost the game because they didn't make the plays that the high leverage plays and Washington to their credit did. And they had the best player on the field on either side of the ball. And that was the difference in the game. Yeah. I mean, Penix credit was making to high level credit Penix, to them. Penix was making high level throws all day, like against pressure and, um, I thought that Oregon had a good plan defensively. There was a few times where I think we got caught in blitzes we didn't need to be in. Um, but at the end of the day, I thought we mixed coverage as well. I thought we um, created pressure both by bringing guys, but also just rushing for and, and winning. And not only winning on the interior where we expected to win, but like winning reps on the outside. I thought that both Mateo and um, Birch had really Im- impactful moments in this game off the edge. Um it, but when uh, yeah, you're, I mean, when you're you... playing a team with an elite passing game like this, if you if you don't capitalize with your opportunities and you keep giving them opportunities, at the end of the day, you're you're gonna you're gonna fall on your own sword. Yeah, and that's what I, happened. I mean, like like again, the, the, me... the team that controlled the game lost. Yes, if you told me before this game that Oregon is going to win the turnover battle one to zero. They're going to basically play even on penalties. They're going to outgain Washington 540 to 415. They're going to hold Penix to 59% passing and 300 yards. And, and oh, by the way, Oregon's also going to run for 200 yards. And, I would have said gonna, we win by 10. <laughs> like, and I mean, they're going to go three for four on 20-plus air yard throws with the, the one that was incomplete being a pass interference call that, got, that resulted in a first down. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Oregon was ten for sixteen on third down, and Washington was five for eleven. Yeah. Um, I mean, statistically, Oregon and 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 watching the game, like I mean, Oregon did everything they needed to do on balance. They just had those four to five key leverage plays that they didn't execute on. Um, Oregon and Washington are going to play again this year in Vegas. I hope so. I hope and, so. I think again, Oregon wants this team again. <laughs> in the same, yeah, a hundred percent. And like, I think that Washington fans, like, they'll 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 say otherwise and they'll bark. Um, but 
they know they know they got out of there with a win that they probably didn't deserve yesterday. And they, they like credit to them. Like Washington's defense made some plays in key situations. I think that, again, I don't think that uh, Oregon did a lot to help itself situationally in those fourth downs off with with play calling. Um, but I mean, it's not even just fourth down. Like you have a third and two to end the game. You have two downs to get two yards, and you don't do it. Yeah, yeah, right. And so, and and, and again, it's it, it feels like if you look at that those two yards at the end of the game to or you know to to get those two yards, or you go back to either of those fourth down scenario you know scenarios, whether you want to talk about the one in the at the end of the the first half or the one in the middle of the third quarter, like all of those felt like. Oregon beating Oregon a little more than, and I'm not saying Washington, you know, didn't, you know, they didn't, they weren't just lying down out there, but I mean, you know, both short arms a throw to, to Holden on the third down at the end of the first half. Right. And, um, and then, like you said, you know, Jordan James slips, uh, Steven Jones misses his block, you know, the, the Tez slips on the fourth down play at the end of the game. I mean, it's just like, and there was a lot of slipping going on, but like I, I'm not going to blame that. Like ultimately, Washington's guys also had to make plays on those plays to to be successful as well. Um, and Especially they, and the they, last one, I thought they, the like, last fourth down they were really good on that play. Like when you talk about like efficiency and stuff, like Oregon was the, by far the more efficient team. Like they won more snaps, but they didn't win the most impactful snaps of the game. Yep, and, it, and it, it was a classic explosion and, versus efficiency type of game. Yeah, and that's the difference between winning and losing. Um, and in that this game, like, uh, not to get into my emotions on it because I don't think anybody really cares, but like, this game pissed me off. Like, this game, I was really frustrated. I'm not heartbroken by this game. Like, I, I, I am very confident watching us play them and watching the tape that, like, we're going to get another chance at these guys. Like, well, we'll get to our power rankings later in the episode, but. These, these are very clearly the two best teams in the conference. I think that there's a pretty damn big margin between Oregon and Washington in number three. Um, and I fully yes. anticipate that these two teams are going to play again in Vegas. Uh, and Oregon's going to get an opportunity to make things right, but they got to earn it, right? Like they, they don't have a mulligan anymore. You got to win out. You got to take care of business the rest of the way. You have, a, you have a, uh, a tough road trip to Utah coming up. But outside of that, most of your games are, most of your tough games are at home. And um, I think watching this team play, like this is a good football team. This is a well-rounded football team. This team has a lot of different ways to win. Um, and there's a lot of improvement to be made between now and the end of the season. And I think that Oregon's got a lot of juice to squeeze still. Yeah, I, I thought I, – I said this to you yesterday – I feel better about Oregon's defense coming out of that game than I did going in. And I was high on them going in. I, I was, especially in the second half, I was very impressed by, I mean, they, they gave up two touchdowns in the second half. Obviously one of them was the late one, but you know, they had, they forced a couple of three and outs in a row. They had the goal line stop, you know, there in the fourth quarter that looked to be decisive in the game. I thought they, they really got, they were getting to Penix. I mean, they were, He's just he's just a machine. He's just they were they were rattling him though. They forced him into a, into a number of bad throws. I mean, where I'm not talking on the long balls, but like there was a lot of on those two three and out drives and and some of the other times during the game. Like the that early pressure was just enough to get throw his timing off. Right, their their passing game is so predicated on timing, and they were doing enough to throw his timing off that 
that those balls were wide or short or low or early or late, you know, and, and that made a big difference in that game. I was very impressed by, by Oregon's defense in, in the second half, particularly, and the adjustments they made, right? I mean, I think Washington ran the ball fairly effectively, especially in the first half, but I thought Oregon made some adjustments and, and that was really a non-factor in the second half. Yeah, I, I thought that um, once we got through the script, and like this is something that um, we had talked about a little bit on Thursday, previewing the game, like surviving the Washington script and, and making the adjustments that you need to make based off of what Washington is going to try to do against you. And I thought we did a great job of that. And um, I, I thought that like Triquiz Bridges deserves a big shout out for the way he performed coming in off the bench cold. Um, and really challenging a good receiver. Like, yeah, Odunze got the last catch, but like Odunze is the best receiver in the game, right? Like he's he's gonna he's gonna be a really high draft pick this year. He's a really talented player, and that was as good a coverage as you're gonna get. <laughs> and it's an exceptional route, an exceptional catch, an adjustment on the ball, and a really, really in a perfect throw. And it doesn't matter how good a coverage you have in that situation because you have an elite quarterback throwing to an elite receiver, um, and and sometimes that's just unbeatable. All you could do is tip your cap there because Bridges was in a damn near perfect condition position. Um, let's talk a little bit about the offensive side of the ball. Or you know, well, let's finish on defense first. See anything more you want to talk about on defense? I, I was like I said, I'm impressed by Oregon's defense. I thought they did enough to win this game. I think 36 points, especially considering it was 29 up until that that last drive that you know maybe never should have happened. Well, I, I, I want to give credit. Were, I, I want to give a lot of credit to the Washington offensive staff. Like they had a great plan. Like they, they're tough. Like they're really, really good at their jobs. Kalen DeVore, Ryan Grubb, I think probably um, one of the best combinations, if not the best combinations of play caller and head coach offensively in the country. Um, And they did a lot of really interesting things to create leverage for themselves in the run game, Um, different concepts in the passing game. I mean, they had, they had some good trick plays ready to go for us. Um, I, I thought they had a really good plan, and I thought that um, they're. It, I think it goes without saying that they're well coached, but it still needs to be said. Um, and, and that's yeah. a really tough offense to match up with because even though they're not going to like blow you off the ball and be dominant blocking the run, they do a really good job of create like because of their passing game, but also because of formations and shifts and um, of creating leverage for themselves in the run game to create explosive plays, and they did that. They did that in the first half. They, they ran the ball very efficiently, and then Oregon kind of like made their adjustments at halftime and sat on it in the second half. And I don't really think that Washington's run game was all that impactful at all um, after halftime. But the fact that they were able to scheme anything with that group is really impressive. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, they're watched, they're, their offense is with this group of quarterback and receivers and players is extremely tough to slow down. Uh, you know, you saw the way Arizona approached it. Oregon approached it in a very different way. They said, we're going to man you up and and play our kind of standard defense. And I thought it's they stopped it half the time. And most you play this game 10 times and you say Oregon holds Washington to zero points on half their drives. I think you're going to take that. You're going to take that result every time because that's a damn good offense and a damn hard offense to stop. Yeah. Um, I don't have a whole yeah. lot else to add. I mean, I think um, there there was times where tackling left to be a little bit desired. But again, when you're playing against better teams, they have better skill players who um, are going to be able to create yak. So uh, 
all things considered, specifically when your your depth at cornerback is tested in a game like this, I thought that Oregon responded well, and um, I thought that the resilience of this team on both sides in the second in the second half was exceptional, and it, it like what made me proud to be a duck, right? Like um, yeah. seeing them battle back. I know there was a lot of hand ringing on the timeline during the game about, oh, this game's over, we're going to get boat race, and then we get back to back three and outs and back to back touchdowns, and all of a sudden we're back in the lead. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, and then yeah. And then you get the goal line stand right after that, and so you're. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to like about about that. Uh, let's switch over to the other side of the ball. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, you know, Nick's 75%, 337 yards, two touchdowns. I don't think he played that well, though. I mean, there was – he short-armed some things, and um, I think he was, he could have been more patient at times. Uh, but I will say that, like, downfield, he was very accurate for the most part. He underthrew the one to Franklin that resulted in the pass interference. Um, but – I, I thought yeah. that his his second half was substantially better than his first half. Yes, I agree. I agree with that. And and look, even though I thought he had those those moments you know, where maybe the moment was too big or he just didn't perform as much, I don't think his play caller set him up in the best position as we talked about earlier. I do agree his his deep ball was much better today. We've been talking about that all season. You know, that, you know, hit Troy like perfectly on that long touchdown. And he had several other um, kind of intermediate to deep throws that I thought were very well thrown. You know, Troy, you know, huge day, eight, 154, a touchdown, almost 20 yards a catch. Tez caught seven balls for 71 yards. Ferguson was a bigger weapon today than we've seen a lot. He had five for 50. Um, Bucky, Bucky caught six for 34. Jordan James, three. Didn't really get Holden only had two for sixteen. Gary Bryant didn't have any catches or targets, I don't believe. And then Pat Herbert had two catches, including that that touchdown there in the first half, which was a really nice catch on a on a tough play to make. Yeah. I, I again, I, I think that Bo. I had tweeted out at one point in the game that I didn't think Bo was playing well enough for us to win, and then he started to rip off some some bigger throws, but. I think the inability to consistently press the ball like into the middle and, and deeper quadrants of the field, specifically in the middle, um, is going to be something that needs to like improve over the course of the year. And I think that it it seems at times like it's a trust issue between the staff and Bo. And I, I think you just got to live or die with it at some point. Like you got to play, you got to let him play, um, because you, you can't micromanage your way to wins in big games all the time. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you about that because it feels like – I don't feel like it's a lack of weapons. Like I feel like between Troy and Tez and Treshawn and and Gary, there's those guys can make plays in the middle of the field, down the field, whatever. But we feel so – I mean we take shot plays, right? We take the sideline shot plays a few times a game. But it doesn't feel like we were ever really running a lot of route concepts where we're pressing well, the middle of the field consistently. 
some of that is a lot of what Washington was doing. They were playing some of that like three safety stuff that's really like prominent in the Big Twelve. Um, and they were just dropping bodies, right? Like they, I don't think that they had a lot of confidence in their ability to get home as a pass rush. Like, like whether you rush four guys or five guys, like really the only guy that's going to get home is Trice anyway. Um, and so like just rush Trice. So uh, I, I think that that was also somewhat of like what Washington was trying to do. They wanted to make us execute and they forced us to, and we did um, up until that last drive. Like I thought we were going to be able to run the ball on them again. And then they came out in a completely different front. Like they started playing, uh, they started playing a bunch of, um, a bunch of bare front and committing a ton of bodies at the line of scrimmage and playing one high safety. And it's like, I understand we're trying to run the clock out, but this is, this is where you start to challenge them on the perimeter. This is where you start to go up top. Like, it's not. Is it the most effective way to run the clock? No, but the middle of the field is going to be wide open, just based on how they're how they're playing us structurally, um, which is also why I really hated the rollout, like uh, on the last fourth down. So, um, especially rolling out to the left, like yeah, rolling out to the, like all of it, like it's just just run mesh. We run mesh all the time. Like if if they're going to play you like that with one high safety, just run mesh. Like someone's gonna uncover if it's zone or if it's man. If not, like Bo's gonna. There's gonna be a lot of lateral stretch at the at the second level with the linebackers, and Bo's gonna be able to find a hole and, and get two or three on the ground if he needs to or more. And it just seems like we got too cute and we outthought ourselves instead of just running something that we're really good at. It didn't feel. I agree with that, and it didn't feel like in those kind of third and short and fourth and short situations. Like one of the things we were so good at last year was, you know, it's a called pass, but the way the play is designed, like you were just saying, there's an opportunity for Bo to pick it up with his legs if if there's nothing open, right? Because the linebackers are dropping, everybody's manning up, and Bo's good enough to go get two or three yards. Um, and but the way the plays were designed in this scenario, there was no there was no mechanism for him to do that, right? He, there's the the rollout, the, the, all the bodies around, along the flat, along the line of scrimmage. There's, there's just no even if there's just no op, there's nowhere for him to go to, to try to get the, the yardage with his feet. And especially on that last one, they got him, you know, really rolling out backwards. So he's 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 he was bailing and you know losing depth. So there's now you're turning what a three yard gain into a thirteen yard run, you know, to get the first down. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to beat that to death anymore. I mean, I think um, <laughs> Oregon will have a better plan in those situations for the rest of the season. Um, and, I, and I like the one thing is, is if, if how this team responded when they were down in the second half is any indication, um, this team is not even close to done. They're not going to quit. They're going to get better. Um, and I think they're going to get a shot at that Washington team again um, in the Pac-12 title game. Yeah, I mean, this team has shown they're they're not they're not a quit, right? You know, this is Washington State last year. This is Texas Tech earlier this year. This game, right? Like all those games in North Carolina, a bowl game last year. All those games, they're down multiple scores, and they, you know, they there was no quit in them, and they come back, and in all those games, they came back and took the lead. So, um, you know, let's talk about the running game: two hundred four yards, Bucky twenty-two for one twenty-seven and a touchdown. Jordan James eleven for sixty-three and a touchdown. I, you know, I thought the offensive line and the running backs were really, really good in this game. Yet again, I thought they they got most of what they wanted all night long until, like you said, that bear front kind of came into play. Bucky 
Bucky, what can you say? I mean, how many how many yardage did he get after contact? Just turning something into nothing or nothing into something. It was incredible watching him run. I know I heard from a lot of Washington fans were just like, I, I, I hope that guy's gone next year. I can't stand that guy. That guy, he kills us. So we have the play stopped and he still he still kills us. Yeah, I mean, he's an elite running back. Um, and he ran really well. And I thought the offensive line, for the most part, all day blocked it up really, really well. Um we were gapping them. I mean, like we like we were quite frankly like extremely dominant on the ground in the run game. Um, we were both efficient and ex- like not explosive in the sense that you're creating like twenty yard plus runs, but you're creating consistent eight to sixteen yard runs. Um, and you're and you're and you're giving yourself like you're you're forcing them to have to have a continued conversation on the headset about how they're gonna like what they're gonna do to to adjust to our run game. Um, and it was a good mix of like we were winning with zone and duo. Uh, we were also winning with some of our gap schemes and counter. Um, and it was just well executed. I thought the offensive line played really, really well um, all game. Yeah, I, I really did too. And, and like the whole team played well. Like it was, it really, it really is just a couple plays. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't disagree with that. I think. And, and like to be fair to Washington, like they played well too. Like they didn't like. This was just a competitive. This was a good football game. Like as like if I was a, somebody who was not a, like a fan of either one of these teams, like that was a hell of a game. Both teams played really clean. Um, there wasn't a ton of penalties, um, and it was it wasn't like one team was like actively losing it as much as like teams they were we were just trading blows. Um, and again, at the end of the day, like we just didn't make the plays at the end to close it out. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I watched, listened to most of the podcast, you know, most of the national coverage after the game, you know, the today. And that's generally been the sentiment is everyone is like, this is two great football teams who played a really great football game. While most of the people saying it was the best one so far this year in college football. And like, it's what, you know, it's what else can you ask for? You know, somebody's got to lose a game like that. It doesn't mean, this is what I was telling a lot of Oregon fans today is like, somebody doesn't have to be at fault, right? You know, it doesn't have to be like somebody messed up. Like sometimes the other team just makes a play. Yeah. yeah. So, sometimes your guy just doesn't make a play. It you know, it wasn't, you don't have to like who find the, everyone's always like, find the blame, find the blame, like blame Dan, blame Stein, blame Bo, blame whoever for, you know, not making the play. But it's like, there's guys on the other side coaching. There's guys on the other side playing. Sometimes they just make a better play. <laughs> and that all goes without saying that we had an opportunity to tie this game up and go in overtime. And like I maybe I'm a homer, but like I think we win that game in overtime. Like I think like like we we played really well in those condensed field situations all game and I think that we would have found ways to get more stops than they could. Um but you know what? Like it's college kickers and if you're trusting a college kicker, you're in trouble. And um, I'm not going to sit here and beat up on Camden Lewis. I'm sure he's beating up on himself plenty. Um, just pray for the yeah. kid. I feel horrible for him. Like, like I can't even imagine um, what that feels like. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, like, in my opinion, it should never come down to your kicker. No, it's like it's like blaming the refs, right? Like, there's a bunch of stuff you could have done. You know, this game had uh... – I don't know. Oregon had like 88 plays and Washington had like 38 and you know 60 something. So there's 170 plays in this game or what 150 plays in this game. You know, blaming blaming one is is you know silly. Whatever. Um, 
I mean, Oregon only dropped one spot in the AP poll, so I think that, you know, even the writers around the country recognize, like, these are two really good teams. They played a really good game. Like, nobody should get over-penalized for it. And like you said, I think there's a real, real good chance that they'll play again. And I, I for one, can't wait. And I know, because I talked to some of these players after the game, I know they would relish that opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And I think we'll get it. And I think that, like that clarity of vision and that um, and the intention behind that uh, is going to produce the results necessary to get there. Again, I, th- I just think that we're better than every team we play up until that point. And so let's go take care of business. Uh, Doug, I think this is a great opportunity for us to head over to commercial break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we are back. I think, QB, any final thoughts on this game or you just want to switch over and talk about the other games around the country? No, I mean, ultimately, credit goes to Washington. They won. Um, they made the plays that were required to win. Uh, I, I still think that you and I had a really good handle on this game going in. Um, and, like, I think we talked about this in the lead-up. Like, if you play this game ten times, I think Oregon wins seven of them. Yeah, unfortunately, they played a great game. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, you just didn't win the plays that were, that were going to be required, and uh, you blew your opportunity on the road. And so now... You come back home, don't let it beat you twice. Take care of a good Washington State team. All right, let's get into these other games from around the Pac-12. First of all, let's start in South Bend. Uh, USC's uh, dancing with fire finally caught up with them in a big, big way. Uh, Notre Dame scored 48-20. to um, The Caleb Williams threw three interceptions in the first half, set up Notre Dame on a lot of short fields. And by the way, Notre Dame's offense like was, did not – like do some great shakes. They had like 150 total yards in a game, but, or sorry, 250 total yards in a game, but uh, USC turned the ball over three times in the first half. They dug into themselves into a big hole and just, there's no way they were going to get out of it. And um, this is a team that I think has a lot of problems. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's start with the fact that like, if Caleb Williams isn't playing fantastic, the offense actually isn't good. They, they don't block it. They don't block it well. It doesn't seem like the offense works on schedule right now. It seems like everything is reliant on Caleb Williams off schedule. And I don't know if that's a Caleb Williams problem. I don't know if that's a problem with the skill players or the offensive line. I think it's kind of a mixture of all of them. Um, and then defensively, they're just not good. I don't think they're good offensively. I think they just have a, a magician who covers up so many warts. I mean, I can't argue with that. I think he's, I mean, without him, are they a 500 football team? No. No. I mean, they lose to Arizona. They lose to, uh, I mean, maybe they're four and three. I don't know. They're, I don't know. I, I see, I see a couple more losses. I mean, this team has to play at Oregon. They've got to play Washington at home. They've got, you know, UCLA still. I mean, they got a. They got Utah this coming week. Um, yeah, I don't. 
I, I also, and I think we said this in the preview, like this team loses one more game or are they just going to roll it up? I mean, their whole goal was the playoffs. They lose another game. That's done. They're just going to pack it in. Does Caleb Williams even play the rest of the season if right. they lose another game? Right. Does he just go like, okay, I'm going to stay healthy and go to the draft? I, yeah, it, there's a lot of questions here. I, it's a it's a scary time. But, you know, Notre Dame, credit them. They have a really good defense. Um, offensively, they didn't beat themselves in this game. Uh, they played very safe, took the short fields, turned them into points. And, uh, you know, I don't know what more to say about USC. They're 6-1 and one now. They're still undefeated in conference play because obviously it's not a conference game. But they uh, they come home to play Utah at 5 o'clock on Fox next weekend. So, Yeah, I, I think that if Cam Rising plays in that game, USC is going to catch another loss. I, I don't I, think this is a team with like a strong, resilient culture. I don't think this is a team that has a backbone to fall back on when things are tough. I think it's a team with a quarterback, and that's what it is. Yeah, I do think they're a, kind of a mentally soft team. I think I've said that before, and I think it's a team that could roll up pretty easily. All right, uh, let's move on. <laughs> Friday night game, I had this one on in the hotel room in Seattle, kind of in the background while I was doing other things. And Colorado was up 29 to zero at the half over Stanford. Didn't think much of it. All of a sudden I start getting some messages from people like, Hey, Stanford's coming back. And it was like, you know, 29 to 12 or something. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then all of a sudden it's 29, 26. And so then I turned it on and I got real interested And in Colorado. Uh, of course, you know, goes to triple overtime or double overtime. I don't know what they went to overtime and they lost. Uh, it's uh, Dion. once again, doubled down on his strategically boneheaded decision to take the ball first at overtime so that Stanford in both the first and the second overtime got to go second. Um, and in the second overtime, Shadur on third and two throws just the horrendous, horrendous decision, which turns into an interception in the end zone. And now Stanford knows Oh, we can just turtle up and kick a field goal, and that's exactly what happened. And that's and, like and, that is stick with uh, is it Cardi, their kicker. Yeah, like that's like that's automatic. That guy is like I know he missed the kick actually early in that game, but what what did he make one for him from against us? Like almost sixty. Yeah, yeah, it was almost sixty. Yeah, yeah, and I, and they were going up top on um, on Travis Hunter like consistently. Well, Hunter played like 160 snaps in his first game back from a from a uh, lacerated liver, which I think was another strategic mistake because he was gassed. He had nothing in the tank. Um, he did catch Eric, 13 balls for 140 yards and two touchdowns. But on the other side, he was getting uh, abused. This uh, Alec Iomanner for Stanford had 13 catches, 294 yards and three touchdowns and an absolute – Moss of of Hunter on the on late in the game to take the lead or tie it or send it overtime or maybe it's the overtime play. I don't. It was. Uh, he, I feel bad for Hunter because he never should have been out there for 160 snaps. He counted for 294 of their 399 passing yards. One receiver did 13 yeah. 13 for 294. That's crazy. 22.6 yard average, um, and they just. They just made plays, um, and I was really impressed, and I'm happy for Stanford. Like, I don't know that they're going to win any more conference games this year. I don't think it gets a lot easier for them because I don't see them beating any of the teams in the north except for possibly Cal. 
but you never know. I guess now that you have a big time player on the outside, maybe maybe they can compete with Wazoo or Oregon State. But um, nonetheless, this is a tough loss for Colorado because this is one that you're counting on if you're going to try to get to bowl eligibility. Now you got to find two wins on on a schedule that like doesn't get easier. You have to play UCLA and Oregon State the next two weeks um, before finishing out with Arizona, Washington State, and Utah. They will not be favored in any of those games. I no, don't believe. so like the the likelihood of getting to a bowl, I think, just fell through the floor. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think their math went from like if they win Stanford game, their bowl math is probably like seventy five percent. Now it's probably like thirty five percent. But I mean, I think they need to win two, and I think their likelihood of winning zero is higher than two. <laughs> One's the most likely, but. Yeah, it's their bull math got took a major, major hit in a game you were up twenty nine to zero uh, at halftime. Uh, that's pretty unacceptable. And and after the game, they didn't shake Stanford hands. They just ran off the field and went ran into that's, the that's locker about room. right. And that's that's yeah. how a team that's going to win four games would behave. So yeah, it's more of the same type of behavior. All right, enough about that game. Arizona, boy. 44 to 6 up on the Palouse. They took it to Washington State like nobody's business. And Washington State just feels like a team that is like, I don't know what has going on there. They were playing so well the first four games of the year. Now they've lost their last two and just look like a completely different team, a completely different offense. Cam Ward looks like last year's Cam Ward. Um, Noah Fafita. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't care what anyone thinks. Like, Jaden Dora should never get his job back in a million years because no. Fafita is balling three the the hobbit three 342 yards 34 for 43 um he's got the he's he's just got that team rolling like he his he's just he's just way more consistent he's keeping that team on schedule um you know the receivers will spread the ball all over the place tetero mcmillan seven for 68 jonah coleman four for 96 Cowing had a, had eight catches, only 29 yards, you know, spreading the ball around. Lamontius Craig had five catches, Tanner McLaughlin. I mean, they just they just moved the ball around and a 44 to 6. Like I didn't watch this game, but I'm just blown away by the dominance of this one. I don't know what the heck happened. It wasn't like a bunch of turnovers either. I mean, Washington State did turn the ball over three times, but as as an account for that kind of margin. No. Um I didn't get to watch any of this game. Um so I don't have a lot to add other than the fact that just like my brows oh. in the box. Oh, Washington State scored the first touchdown of the game. They actually led six to nothing. And then got just steamrolled. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Four for eleven on third down for Washington State, oh for three on fourth down. Um, that's just it's tough. It looks like Arizona controlled the game, like they were able to be balanced. They ran the ball, they had five rushing touchdowns in this game. Um I wonder if Washington State was looking ahead and got caught, or maybe Washington State's just not as good as they like. I think they might have they might have pulled something out against a Wisconsin team that doesn't actually look all that great. Um, in UCLA, I think we were a little bit too high on as well. Uh, well, I have you, an alternative theory here, QB. What are, what's your theory? And this is a little preview for power rankings coming later. I think Arizona is a lot better football team than most people think. Well, now that they um, have a quarterback that's consistent and doesn't turn the ball over like all the time, I think you're probably right. I think they got a defense. 
I think they, they held Washington State to 234 yards, and I think we saw some things out of their defense against Washington and and USC as well. I, I, I like. I like what the Hobbit and team are doing down there. They've got some players on offense. I think they're doing, I think their coordinator on defense has them really well, you know, planned for these games. And yeah, uh, they can make some noise. They can play spoiler down here in this, uh, they, you know, they're two and two in conference. So they're not a threat to win the conference, but they can uh, make it interesting for some other teams. So I think they're not going to be an easy out for anybody. Thankfully, Oregon doesn't have to play them. No, and they're a team that I think is like super well positioned going into the Big Twelve next year to be a good football team. Yes, absolutely. And they have most of their tough games behind them. Um, they've already played Washington. They've already played USC. They don't play Oregon. Um, uh, they have a bye this coming week, and then they host Oregon State, host UCLA. Like those are two opportunities to play spoiler. Uh, and then again, they go to Colorado. Then they host Utah. So they they host. Three teams who who you know are still in the title or still in the the Pac-12 hunt, and uh, boy, that's not a trip I would want to make if I was any of those three teams. No, but the way Arizona's no. playing right now. No, Arizona is a uh, Arizona's gonna be a tough out in that place. I think that as that team builds confidence, like uh, the the fans show up for Arizona in a way that they don't for Arizona State, and so uh, that that could be a tough place to play on the road. That's something to keep an eye on going down. All right. Um, Oregon State hosted UCLA, took care of business there. Oregon State moves to 6-1 and one on the year, 3-1 and one in conference. I think they're up to 12 or 13 in the in the poll. UCLA falls to 4-2, and 1-2 and two in conference. This game was really important for Oregon, Washington, USC, Utah, because UCLA's schedule, as we know, is complete garbage after this game outside of the USC game. So them taking a second conference loss – is really helpful for a lot of those other teams that want to contend for the conference, including Oregon State. I mean, this was essentially an elimination game, in my opinion. I think Oregon State has, has got just such a much tougher schedule anyway, because uh, they got to play Oregon, they got to play Washington, um, and they got to play Arizona too. So, but for UCLA, if they were to win this one, I mean, they've got Stanford, Colorado. They do go to Arizona now. Then they got Arizona State, SC, and Cal. So. This game was a was a real blow for them, but I think we're also finding that their offense is just not what it needs to be. I mean, they did run for 287 yards in this game, which is something that you know I think other teams that play Oregon State are going to be able to, to to look at that film and uh, you know take some cues on. But uh, UCLA's Dante Moore's struggling. Three more interceptions in this game, including a pick six toward the end of the first half, which was very similar to. Uh, couple weeks ago and Oregon state just kind of quietly rolling along six and one, three and one. Yeah. Oregon state. Um, they're just a team that isn't going to beat themselves. They're going to make you earn it. And I, I, I think that what I'm learning as the season goes on is that the quality of the pac 12, I think has been overrated early in the season. Um, and there's not that many teams in this league that aren't going to beat themselves. If, if you, if you play sound, yeah, UCLA three turnovers, Oregon State one. I think that's probably tells the story in this game. A twelve point victory, yardage is pretty equal. Um, yeah, uh, Oregon State's they've got uh, they've got a couple tough battles up ahead as well. But they do host Washington um, late here. Dante, yeah, Dante's go got to get the the uh, turnovers under control. Yeah, that's really he's really struggling with that now. I, I will say he was getting a ton of pressure as well, and and he was just under constant 
constant pressure from Oregon State. I think that's more of a function of his offensive line uh, not being what it needs to be. Uh, no, no, maybe we'll get him at a discount now. <laughs> All right. Uh, one more game in the Pac-12. Utah, 34-14 winners hosting Cal. Cam Rising did not play. They, they went back to Bryson Barnes, who started the year for Utah. Um, didn't throw the ball a whole lot. He threw for 128 yards. Didn't turn the ball over. Utah really relied on their running game. For, ran for 317 yards behind Sion Vaki with 158 and two touchdowns. Conversely, I mean, Utah just just keeps rolling on their defense, right? So they held Cal to 254 yards in this one um, and, and really stymied Cal's run game, which is really the key to Cal's offense. And that kind of told the story. Easy 20-point victory. Fernando Mendoza, 149 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. And But, you know, Jade not only got 46 yards, so there was no chance that Cal was going to have in this game at that point. No. Uh, Doug, what did I go on my picks this week? I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. All right, fine. We'll go there next. So, QB, you, you had a bounce back week for sure. You were 9-1. and one. The only game you missed was Oregon State-UCLA. With the Washington Oregon game was a push, obviously. So you had nine and one with the with the push there, and then uh, Justin was a nice six and four on the week. Missed Kentucky, missed the Kentucky Missouri game. He also missed the Colorado Stanford game. He missed the UCLA game as well, and then he also missed Washington State Arizona. And then mm. I was five and five this week. I only got one Pac-12 game correct. That was the Utah Cal game. Um, I was, I missed all the rest of those. And then I'm, I'm foolishly picked Memphis, um, which I knew, I think I said on the, on the podcast was a bad decision. And yes, it was. So, <laughs> and so what I did hit all my other season? Picks, so on the season now I am 38 and 44, you are 42 and 40 and Justin is 43 and 33. That doesn't sound right. I need to go add these back up again. Something's wrong there. Yeah. Well, I feel a lot up. better now that I'm positive again. I t- it's crazy yeah. that it took an almost undefeated week for it to happen, but here we are. So here um, you are, rock on top. We- um, real quick, let's go through those games. Tulane thirty-one twenty-one over Memphis. Um, I don't have much to say about this one. Fourteen fourth quarter points was the decisive factor coming back and, and winning that game for Tulane, and now they're in the driver's seat for the American and uh, and uh, a chance at that Fiesta Bowl spot. I didn't watch that game at all, so I got nothing. All right, over in the SEC, the Missouri Tigers, 38-21 over Kentucky, really dominated again the fourth quarter in this game. Uh, they were down 21-20 going in. They scored 18 unanswered in the fourth to, to win this game, moved 6-1 and one on the year. Kentucky falls to 5-2. and two. Uh, You know, Brady Cook didn't throw for a lot of yards. You know, Missouri's funny because they didn't actually do a lot yardage-wise in this game. It's a pretty – for this is a weird game when you look at the box score. There's a lot of points, not a lot of yards. <laughs> Missouri had 324 yards, Kentucky had 299 yards, but somehow they combined for 59 points, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, Missouri could throw the ball, and uh, as long as you have that when you have good receivers and a pretty good quarterback, you're always going to have an opportunity. Um, and that's been proven with them, and Luther Burden continues to have a great season. Yeah, he was held in check in this one, though, only two catches for 15 yards. But when you dedicate that much attention to somebody, other guys get opportunities. 
That's like what we saw with like the Miami UNC game is Pez Walker being on the field is opening things up for the whole offense. Yeah, let's talk about that one. 41-31, North Carolina takes care of Miami, who's now lost two in a row and is now 0-2 in the ACC. North Carolina rolls to 6-0, 3-0 in the ACC. Drake May, probably his best game of the year. He's kind of quietly had just an okay season so far. I think, like you said, Tez Walker being back now. Drake had 273 yards and four touchdowns. Tez actually broke out in this one a little bit. He had, uh, well, quite a bit. He had a six, six for 132 and three touchdowns, so... But yeah, like you said, opened it up for some other guys as well. And their running game actually was quite quite good here as well. Or Omarion Hampton ran for one ninety seven in this one. Yeah, and that get that score is not like indicative of the game. Like Miami scored late. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't that close. Uh, third quarter dominated by North Carolina, twenty one to zip in that third quarter. To really, that, at that point, the game was over and it was extended garbage time in the fourth quarter. But. Uh, 508 yards uh, from North Carolina in this one. And um, Tyler Van Dyke threw for 391, four touchdowns, but he did also have two picks that were costly. All right, let's move over. Auburn, LSU, another Tigers versus Tigers. The LSU Tigers, as predicted, I, I, I said, I think, in our preview show that LSU minus 11 was seemed like the freest, easiest money. If I had, like, any amount of money, I would have put it all in this game. And they won by 30. So the 11 was was easy. It was 48 to 18. As expected, Auburn has no offense um, to speak of. Especially. Nah, you know, they, they and Jaden Daniels is playing really good football right now. He's throwing the ball well, and they've got an elite receiver core. And um, they're, they're finding themselves offensively, and they're really moving the ball up and down the field. So that uh, LSU-Alabama game that's coming up is going to be a fun one. Yeah, if they win that, I think Jaden will work himself right back up into that top top two, top three of the Heisman rankings. Because statistically, I mean, he's putting up he put up over four hundred yards of total offense uh, in this game, three touchdowns. He statistically, he's just continuing to rack up video game numbers, running and passing, and um, obviously kind of fell out of the race a little bit with those two early losses. But they can they and he can climb back up. That Alabama game will be huge um, coming up, obviously. 48-18, Texas A&M takes another loss. They fall to 4-3. and three. Jimbo Seat probably getting a little bit hotter by the minute. Kind of a defensive battle in Tennessee as the Volunteers take this one 20-13. Um, Milton only 100 yards passing. Uh, but Tennessee was able to run for 232 yards, which was kind of outstanding because Texas A&M has been very, very good against the run this year. I mean, they Alabama couldn't run on them. Miami couldn't run on them. Nobody was really running on them all this year, but Tennessee managed to run for 232, which was quite surprising. Um, and they they won the game. Yeah. Uh, didn't get to catch much of this one. So. All right. Any other games of note around the country you want to touch on? No, Louisville lost to Pittsburgh, which was surprising to me. Um but it also kind of goes to show like Louisville is a, is a good football team, but they're not so elite that they can't lose to a, an inferior opponent. Um, but now, That's a really like, costly one for them because they had such a great path, you know, to, to making the ACC title game, not playing some of the better teams in that conference, but then they drop one to pit. Right. So now you're like, their path is harder. <laughs> yeah. At this point, it seems like Florida state and UNC had the clearest pathways. Um, We'll see what happens this week with Miami having the home game against Clemson. 
Just Clemson, yeah. I think, is, is kind of back in it now, too, despite the early season loss to Duke. Well, wait, they've already lost to Florida State, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's tough. I had Georgia kind of 37-20 over Vanderbilt. You know, continues to win, but not look super impressive. Brock Bowers left the game. We'll see we'll see if he's okay. Michigan, I think Michigan should be number one in the polls right now, 52-7. to They're, Nobody has taken a snap in a goal-to-go situation against Michigan yet this year in seven games. Actually crazy, that's, you think? That's uh, a crazy stat. Like they're beating single... bad teams, but they're like they're destroying bad teams. Like Everybody's just yeah. getting put in a blender. Yeah, they're really freaking good. Ohio State rolled 41-7 to over Purdue. Florida State rolled 41-3 to over Syracuse. Penn State 62 to nothing over UMass. Um Alabama 24-21, close victory over a 2-5 and five Arkansas team. I don't know about Bama. I don't know. You mentioned Louisville already. I think that covers most of the top 20. Duke 24-3 over NC State pretty much wraps that top, top 20 up. Um, all right, QB power rankings, and then we'll get out of here. Let's start at number 12. I've got Arizona State at number 12. I have Arizona State at 12 as well. Kind of feel a little bad about knocking them down a spot on a bye, but it, Stanford had to move up. Sorry, Arizona yeah. State, and that's really all it is, right? Like Stanford has Stanford has to move up because they won a game, and Arizona State, I think, is I, I think they're pretty clearly the worst team in the Pac-12 right now. Unfortunately, I think it, it's a lot of it's due to injuries. I don't think it's their fault, um, but it, it's just the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, I got Stanford at eleven and Cal at ten, but these are fully interchangeable. Yeah, I've got I got them flipped, um, and it's going to be weird to, for me to not have Stanford above Colorado. But I I just think that Colorado has more wins, has better wins. Um, I don't know. I feel, I feel dirty putting a team below a team they just beat this week. Uh, but when you only have one Power Five win so far this season, I can't put you against a team that that like performed against some pretty solid I wouldn't yeah. I don't know if I'd call TCU solid at this point but I think you know what I'm trying to say yeah it's but it's also the total it's not just one week it's the total book uh and Colorado is four and three and Stanford is two and four so I think that's a very defensible position and I also have obviously them ahead I also have Colorado at nine like you do I've got at eight Washington State I think you have a different team here I do have a different team here. Um, I just had my thing crash, so give me two seconds here. You've got UCLA. In. You've got UCLA at eight. Yeah, I do have UCLA at eight. Where is it keep? I might need you to announce mine because I think my uh... – I can I can do that. All right, so okay. I've got Washington State at eight. You've got UCLA at eight. I, we're flip-flopped because I have we're the opposite on seven. So I've got UCLA seven, Washington State eight. Most of that's due to the head-to-head. UCLA beat Washington State head-to-head, so I'm going to – Give them that nod there, but I, the know, reason I don't is that. because I think that if they played today, I think UCLA would win. I, I think Washington. I don't know what's happened to Washington State, but they're playing well, worse. Then football. why do you have UCLA lower? I thought. See, this is I the have UCLA I, seven. Yeah, and Washington this is, State. This eight is eight super eight. high quality podcasting right now, but I don't even know my own power <laughs> rankings because they got. They, I, I don't know what happened to them. They're gone. <laughs> they're, they're in the ether. All right, somewhere. Well, we'll flip it around then. So anyway, they're seven and eight. Um, I've got Utah at six. I, I, they might be a little low, but it's it's kind of like I I can't put them ahead of any of the other teams I have above them, so they're they're kind of sliding into six by default. But the, this is a team that defensively is probably the best defense in the conference. 
and they'll certainly have a chance to move up these rankings starting this week when they play USC. Yeah, uh, they can beat a team that's not very good. And USC this week improved to me that they're they're elite defensively. You have Utah at four, so a couple spots higher than me. At yeah. six, you have Arizona. Yeah, I, I, I think that like, losing close isn't going to be enough for me to move you higher than that. I think that Arizona is a plucky team and a confident team, and um, I think that their win over Washington State is solid, but I don't think it's as good of a win as we would have thought it was a couple of weeks ago. Um, and so I am docking them a little bit for that because that is their best win to date. All right. At five, you have USC. I have Oregon State. You go ahead. Yeah. Um, USC to me is a team that is completely reliant on the quarterback. And if the quarterback has a bad day, they lose um, to anyone who's competent. Their defense sucks. Um, the offensive line is surrendering tons and tons of pressure. Um, and if Caleb Williams has another bad game like he had this weekend, um, I just I think that they're a team that could lose another couple of games this season. And what happens, like, does Caleb Williams just decide to sit out like we talked about a little bit earlier? Um, be interested to see. But uh, I can't in good conscience put USC any higher than this currently with the way that they're playing. I have Oregon State at five. Um Probably being a little unfair here. Uh, now that I think about it, because they are six and one, I, I don't know. It just feels like they're kind of going through the season, and I, I don't know. I like I'm not. I haven't been impressed by any of their wins, but maybe I'm being a little unfair to them. Um, and and obviously they're going to have a chance to keep moving up this ranking as well. At four, I've got Arizona. I just I really like the way they're playing right now. I thought that was a dominant win. I think their their losses to USC and Washington were extremely impressive. Um, and I thought, you know, the USC game is one they should have won. The Washington game is one where I thought they did a really good job defensively on Washington's outstanding passing game. Is, and I thought they just didn't have enough offense in that one. Is losing to USC really impressive now? I don't know. Maybe not as much as I thought. You're right. Um, like I, you got I, Utah just, for. Yeah, I've got Utah for. Um, and, and I'm mostly projecting for when when uh, Cam Rising does come back, if he comes back. Um, because I think that with the way that the defense is playing, once they get a more competent, consistent quarterback play in there, um, they're going to be able to make some things happen. All right. At three, I've got USC. This is really hard for me because I feel like the top two is so far removed from everyone else. It's like somebody has to slot into three. And I guess I'm holding USC in there because they're still undefeated in conference play, 4-0. Um, they're still a very, very dangerous team because they have Caleb Williams. So I, I kind of have them slotted into three, but it, I'd almost want to – I want to leave three open because I don't think there is a three. <laughs> I, have or, I have Oregon State You there. have Oregon State, yeah. Yeah, and I think that they've earned it at this point. Um, do I think Oregon State is – I think there's a very large gap between Oregon State and the top two. And maybe they'll get proven wrong. Maybe they'll pull off a win against one of these teams. But um, as it stands today, I, I think that both Washington and Oregon should be double-digit favorites against Oregon State, specifically like because of the matchup. I don't think that Oregon State can cover either one of those teams on the outside. Uh, but Oregon State's just a really well-coached, plucky, solid football team, and they're, they're not going to beat themselves. Um, and because they are physical and they run the ball well, they're going to have opportunities to beat. I mean, they don't they don't play USC. Almost their hard games are done, other than the two Northwest schools. So, um, I I think that this is probably a nine win football game, football team this year. Well, and and they could be nine and one because um, their next three games are at Arizona, 
at Colorado, Stanford at home, right? I mean, obviously the Arizona and Colorado games aren't going to be easy necessarily, particularly the Arizona one. But those are all games they'll probably be favored in. I mean, this team could, could roll into a home game in Corvallis against Washington 9-1. and one. I mean, that's that's not far-fetched. No, not at all. I mean, I think that's probably the most likely outcome. Like, who else is going to beat them? I mean, like... Maybe Arizona. Arizona is a team that, because of the way they throw the ball, they, they have a chance. Um, yeah. And in Arizona, we'll see. That's a good. That will be a good barometer for really how good they are at stopping the run. Uh, Arizona, that is. Yeah. So that game's in two weeks. Both teams are on a bye this week. Uh, before that game, so that'll be that'll be one kind of a sneaky good Pac-12 game um, in two weeks because it's going to be going up against uh, Oregon, Utah that week, and uh, might be the second best game in the Pac-12 that week. Honestly. Um, Oregon, Utah is probably the, the best one. And then you've got a sneaky good Oregon State versus Arizona game in the desert that definitely want to keep an eye on that one. Probably be a Pac-12 after dark game too. All right, top two, Washington one, Oregon two. I mean, and I think we talked about that to death in the first 45 minutes of the show. They're the, clearly the best two teams in this conference. Washington won yesterday, so they get to be number one. And, and Oregon sits in there at number two. And, and like you said, you know, collision course for, for a rematch in Vegas, hopefully, because I think the nation deserves that. Yeah, I mean, I think like a lot of the national pundits are talking about this too. Like that, That's a game that people want to see. It was so competitive the first time. I think it'd be a bit of a letdown if one of these teams didn't make it to make it back to the Pac-12 title game to give us that rematch. Yeah, definitely. All right, QB, any final parting thoughts? Nah, it sucks to lose to the Huskies always. I mean, if you get if you guys think you have it bad, just think about all the crap I'm getting from Husky fans. Uh, I promise it's worse. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and more frequent. Um, <laughs> yeah, QB's timeline's probably pretty battered right now, and the DMs I'm sure are full as well. I've been taking some. I've just been, you know, hey, you know what? Credit it is them. what it is. It was, it's, it's, yeah. Look, I, think, like, I, look, I said this after the game. Like I, after the game, I was talking to some Husky fans around the stadium, and I actually had more than one Husky fan say to me, like, uh, you know. I, I think Oregon was a better team today. <laughs> and then they said that to me. This, I didn't ask. They just came out and said, I think Oregon was a better team, but we, we won. I feel lucky that we won. And I, I mean, I mean, give them credit. Right. But I do think that I don't think you can walk away from that game. Like no matter who won, I don't think either fan base can walk away from that game saying my team is definitely better than your team. Or, you know, it, it's just, it, it's a, it's a coin flip game. And, Somebody has to win and somebody has to lose. But I like if you're sitting out here on the timeline going like we kicked your ass, our team's way better, you suck, we're dominant, like you're just that's just not a realistic take. That's just no, not you're, not, you're not being honest with yourself. Right. Yeah. But yeah, right again, they won. They get the bragging yeah. rights for now. Exactly. And uh hopefully like you gotta we have to earn now we don't have a mulligan, right? We gotta we gotta earn the opportunity to play them again. Um, and I, I hope this team can pull that off because I think again, it's what uh, it's what we all deserve to watch. But I think I don't know. I, I also want to put this out there. Like I don't know if everyone caught Bo Nix's like post game press conference. Oh. Um, I I love that kid. I'm so proud that that kid represents our program, um, and the way he carries himself, the wisdom, the poise. Um, like selfishly, like I want to see that guy win because he deserves it. I think he's a unbelievable representation of what's good about the sport. Um, and what's good about the Oregon football program. 
Yeah, great leadership, great perspective. If you haven't watched that, it's all over Twitter. Go find it. It's about a three-minute answer to a question at the end of his immediate availability after the game last night. And and it really it's something that every fan of any football team should should hear because it's it's just really it's beyond football and a really impressive answer to a to a question in a very, you know, uh, you know, very difficult moment after a tough loss. So, all right. So on that note, uh, one more thing. Oregon did land a commitment from five-star Aiden Breland, oh, yeah. uh, beating out Georgia and Miami <laughs> for his services about an hour before kickoff. So that just adds to Oregon's class. I think they're now in the top 10. They're number two in the Big Ten, ahead of Penn State, ahead of Michigan, ahead of all USC, Washington, UCLA, right? So number two behind Ohio State in the Big Ten. Um Recruiting rankings number ten in the country overall, and uh, can be th- they're probably not done yet. No, I don't think that they're quite done. I think it's, the thing's gonna be a good week for Duck fans, a good couple weeks for Duck fans coming up. Uh, there was also the decommitment of Jackson Ford, but yeah, Aiden Breland is a massive pickup, and it's funny that we like almost didn't talk about it on this. Like that's that's the best interior defensive line uh, commit that we've ever gotten, um, and I, I'm not saying that hyperbolically, like. Coming out of high school, he's easily the best prospect. I mean, this is the kind of guy that line, that you see playing for Georgia on Saturdays, um, like in terms of high-end prospects, can rush the passer, extreme explosiveness in both the upper and lower body. Um, I, I cannot wait to see this guy playing for us. Like, he's a four-eye who can rush the passer. He's got great length at 6'5", stupid twitchy, like just absolutely destroys people with his hands, just massive power through his hands. Um I don't have a whole lot else to say other than like that's he's just a super super elite prospect. Uh, if you want to read more, there's a there's an eval that I wrote up on Scoop Duck about him. All right, and with that note, it's just stacking or Dan's just stacking D line class after D line class. Yeah, I mean, this D line class. Line. Is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The next few years, I mean, obviously this year's great. We're gonna love this year. It's gonna continue to play out, right? But like we're just. You look ahead, they're just stacking talent, stacking talent, and, and there's only great things on the horizon for this team. It's going to continue to reload every single year as we move into the Big Ten. On that note, follow him at QB11SD on Twitter. Follow me at DouglasTS. Follow the show at QB11Show. Definitely go to Apple. Give us a like. Give us a five-star review. Go to Spotify. Follow us there. And uh, we appreciate all your support. We had our number two, or sorry, number one and number two most listened to episodes of all time. Both happened within the last 10 days. So thank you for that. That's all you. We appreciate it. And we will be back at you Thursday morning with our week eight selections. Good night, everyone. <laughs>